Merry Christmas. You don't have a seat. Man, I love this time of year. It's finally here. I am a Christmas junkie. I love the sights, the sounds, the smells, everything about Christmas, the music, the laughter, the, the gatherings, the friends, the family. I love the food. I love the food. I love the food of Christmas. I love the anticipation and the celebration. Any other Christmas junkies out there with me? Like this is your time of year? Yeah, all right. Well, it's great to have you with us. And thanks for blazing the cold, braving the cold and being with us tonight. Um, I, cold isn't even the right word for it. I don't know that we have a word in our language for it. Like it's just miserable freezing out there. So thanks for those of you who are joining us in person tonight. For those of you online, we get it. Like we get why you're online. I hope you're cozied up next to a fireplace with some family and friends. But thanks for being here, all you in person tonight. Listen, one of my favorite Christmas traditions in this time of year is when I shove the whole Fitz fam into the van and we drive around and we look at Christmas lights. We listen to Christmas music, we eat Christmas cookies, and we look at the lights and I like all the Christmas lights on there. It's just fun to do. I've been doing this since I was a kid with my parents. I don't know if anybody else in the Fitz fam likes it, but I love it. And I love driving around, seeing the lights and seeing how pretty they are, how they light up the sky. You know, you get the lights on the houses and the trees, and then you get pretty nativity scenes, and you get the glowing Santas and the reindeer and the frosty and the occasional leg lamp and a window. And it's just fun. It's fun. And I love at home the Christmas lights in our house. I love how the tree in our living room, in the corner of the living room, how the lights on it just twinkle and have this soft glow about it. I love Christmas candles. I love just the soft glow of the candle burning. It's not often they let me play with fire up here, so I gotta enjoy it while I can. I love the fireplace that we have cozied up next to that, especially this time of year when it's so brutal, blistering cold outside, getting next to the fireplace, having the candles going, the tree twinkling, the, the warm, soft glow of the fireplace. I love Christmas and I love the lights. But you know what's frustrating at Christmas time is when you're getting the lights out and and we've got these two trees in our house, right? Like we've got these trees and you know, you get the lights out, you put the trees on and then I just gotta tell you, like we have this one tree upstairs in the living room. This, this is a tall tree and it's got all the pretty ornaments on it. It's got the stuff, I don't even know what you're wrapping around garland or whatever. It's got the stuff wrapped on it. It's got the pretty ornaments. It's beautiful, right? And then we have our other tree. Right, we get the family tree. We have that one down in the basement, right? Not as many people see that one. It's kind of tucked in the corner in this family spot in the basement. That's our tree that's old. It's just old, and it's got all the family ornaments on it. Some of those family ornaments are nice. You know, we try to get an ornament each year on vacation, and we decorate the tree. We talk about each ornament. We remember the places we've been as a family. We talk through all these memories. But it's got ornaments from when I was a kid. Like there's this gold teddy bear that's missing an eye and it's rusty and it's, but we hang that thing on the tree. I think my kids are terrified by it, but it's got memories for me. And, and that tree honestly is just ugly. 
Like there's no better way to describe it. It's just the ugly Christmas tree. And, but it has so much meaning, so many memories for us. And so I love getting out the lights this year. I'm, I'm putting that tree up. I don't even know how there's tree left because each year I put this thing up and there's like half the tree, I swear, is like the needles on the floor. We're going to vacuum up after I'm done. But then I, I start wrapping the lights around the tree. And you know how it is. Like you're wrapping the lights and then you get a strand of lights like this. Anybody have one of these? And what is like half of the thing is gone. All right, so I, I do my due diligence. I start going through. I'm checking each one. Where's the culprit to get it to work? Can't find it. I don't have enough patience. So how many of y'all out there, you're like, all right, that, that strain is done. You throw it away, right? Any, any of those people? Yeah, we know you're out there. I'm cheap, all right? And I didn't feel like like messing with the crowds. I didn't feel like messing with the cold. I didn't feel like leaving the house. So I just am like, man, this thing... It's still half good. <laughs> and what's funny is I actually have like two or three strands of this, like one for the illustration. I got others at home. Like what? So I did what any cheap Christmas dude would do. You just ball up the middle of that thing, and, and you know what's coming, right? And you just tuck that sucker into the center of the tree, right? I've got a ball of dead lights at the center of the tree, and then because I know I'm going to wrap those things, or I'm going to cover those things up with ornaments. It's an ugly tree anyway, but I'm going to cover that thing with so many ornaments, and then I wrap the nice lights around. But we have, and I, I'd be lying if I said it was a strand. We've got two strands of lights that have a massive ball of dead lights on it, just shoved in the middle of this tree. We can't see them because they're covered by ugly ornaments, so it's all fine, right? But there's nothing worse than when the lights go dark because as beautiful as the light is the dark isn't as warm and inviting as the light is the dark is just cold uninviting the light's beautiful but the dark not so much when God created he spoke into the darkness to bring light he said it's just not good for people to exist in the dark. It's just not good to just have darkness. We gotta have light. He spoke and light was. But then it didn't take long after the light. You don't have to go very far in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, just a few chapters in, and you see that darkness begins to make its comeback. It didn't take long after the failure of Adam and Eve and they passed that on to their kids and their kids and generation after generation and on and on and on it went and the darkness just becomes invasive, pervasive, heavy, oppressive, palpable. Just feels like we're walking in dark because that's what sin does. Sin conceals the light. It casts a shadow, blocks out the light. Sin brings the dark. It didn't take long. But God, his light always spoke through, broke through into the dark, bit here and a bit there, rays shining in. God was always speaking into the dark through his people, through his prophets especially. On one occasion, he spoke through Isaiah, his prophet, a spokesperson for God. And God gives us this assurance through Isaiah. He says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, there's no darkness as dark as death is there. But even there, a light has shined. These are the words that Isaiah spoke from God. These are the same words that Jesus' friend Matthew quoted of Isaiah in his 
own biography, his own story of Jesus, the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament of the Bible. When Matthew speaks of Jesus' birth, he quotes this. Jesus shows up and light shows up with him. So there's darkness around for sure, but how does God respond to the darkness? He penetrates it. Christmas is God's response to the dark. Christmas is a celebration of God's light bursting into the world. Jesus' friend John said it this way, his life, speaking of Jesus, Jesus' life brought light to everyone. That's everyone, you and me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. You see, at creation, God spoke into the darkness to bring light. But at the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, God with us, God as one of us, God stepped into the darkness to bring light. Now, years later, that little baby Jesus had grown into a man, a teacher, a preacher, a miracle worker, a healer, a truth teller, the prophet priest, king amongst us, God with us as one of us. And on one occasion, Jesus stepped into the temple to teach, but I want to give you a little context for this. It was during the celebration of tabernacles. And tabernacles was a, a feast, or a celebration they had in the temple in Jerusalem at the end of the harvest season when the cold, dark winter nights were upon them. Shorter days, longer nights, just like our winter and the darkness was there. And so they would celebrate with this Feast of Tabernacles, which brought a whole lot of light. The city of Jerusalem was a city that was built literally on a hill. And at the top of the hill was the temple. The temple stood in the center of the city on the top of this hill. And there in this temple, there was three courts. In this center court, a court open to the air and open to the people. They had these pillars of light these four tall, tall towers, and on top of each one of these towers were four huge, enormous golden bowls filled with oil that should be lit night and day to bring light to the people. Now, at that time, there was no electricity. There was no light pollution. There was really nothing else competing for the light other than the moon, the stars. The people would conserve their oil. They would conserve their lamps. It cost a lot, so they didn't have their homes real lit up. In fact, they would not have them lit very long after dark before going to bed. And so this, these towers, these four pillars with 16 bowls of, of light burning, it would illuminate the limestone walls of this temple. They said the temple would illuminate the entire city and you could see it from miles away as you're traveling across the plains and traveling through that area. You would see this city glowing in the distance. And it was there in that context that Jesus, as a man, steps into that center court under these enormous bowls of fire. These lights that gave light to a city, to an entire region. And he said this, I am the light of the world. Now that's a tricky statement for the people of his time and his culture because to say he is the light of the world is to say he's God because they all attributed the light of the world to God. And Jesus said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus saying this, that he is the light of the world, the light that brings life is saying, I am God. And he could say that, he can do that because he is God. But the religious leaders of the time, they didn't much like that. It was kind of a competition. They thought, no, 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 God was gonna come in a different way. Plus, they were gonna lose their power if this Jesus guy is God. And so eventually, this leads to his crucifixion. They killed him on a cross because they 
didn't like his message. They didn't like that he was turning the religious system on its head. At the crucifixion, darkness sets in once again. Literal storm clouds roll in and block out the sun. Three days of dark. Until as a new day dawns, God burst forth with light onto the scene again, an empty tomb, a risen sun, a victorious savior, back from the death, back from the grave. God declares triumphantly, I have defeated darkness and death. God's light shining forth for all to see. But here we are. Two millennia later in it, Feels like the light ain't that bright anymore. Two millennia later, and it seems like it's just getting dimmer, like this darkness is back. Invasive, pervasive, inky, heavy. All of us experience dark days. Dark days of confusion, so much wrong in the world, wars and famines, division, disasters, blistering snowstorms and bone-chilling temperatures. Maybe that's the least of it. Dark days of illness. The cancer is back. The illness unnamed, but it just doesn't relent. Dark days of conflict. The relationships that matter most have bonds broken with the people we love. Dark days of loss when the people we love are with us no longer leading to dark days of loneliness, dark days of failure, haunted by regret of mistakes made, dark days of disappointment when life hasn't turned out the way you thought it should, the way we thought it would, dark days of doubt and anxiety and fear, dark days of depression, suffering from sadness that lingers and just won't relent, dark days of addiction, that secret compulsion you have that You're afraid to let anyone else know about or that devastating dependency your loved one has on that substance that's wrecking their life and lives around them. Dark days of stress over the job, over the finances, over the family, over your future. And here we are wondering, where is the light? The darkness seems so heavy and the light just seems to get dimmer and dimmer. And we're left wondering, is there really any light left at all?
are so many needs that need to be met, especially during Christmas time. So how do we meet all of those? Well, the answer is we can't. But we can be Jesus one need at a time. So this year, we decided to love on the young moms, the single moms, the women caught in sex industry, partnering with ministries like Beside You for Life, Sycamore Farm, and Lifehouse Maternity Home. We had 200 stockings uh, to fill up with various items that seem simple, but are things that at some point we wish we had, like a stick of chapstick. Right now, we are on our way to meet Cindy Crawford at Sycamore Farm to give her about 110 stockings to bless the women who are wanting to get out of the sex industry. This is going to be such a blessing because these women are not poured into at all. Like they, every day is normal. Holidays don't really mean anything. Birthdays, they don't get to celebrate anything. So to have something like this where these are handmade and there's a special gift inside, like just to know that they were made especially for them, that's going to be just amazing. Like I can't wait to give them to them. All these women are in a vulnerable place. It's just, it's just really nice that we get to come alongside them and show them that they're seen, that they're special. And um, ultimately, show them that Jesus loves them. That's where all this love comes from, is from Jesus. Yeah, that's worth laughing about. <clears throat> See, what is God's response to the darkness? He shines the light. And so often he shines it through us as people, through his church. You know, I love seeing what God's doing. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. God's words to Isaiah, through Isaiah, quoted by Matthew, still ring true today. People stuck in darkness are still seeing the light. Sure, darkness is all around, but so is the light of God. See, church, we are trading in the neon lights of the red light district for the bright, shining, hope-filled light of Jesus in some people's lives. And it's changing lives forever. And I love that. And so many of you got to be part of that. You see, when the world is at its darkest, the light of Christ shines brightest. The light of hope, the light of healing, the light of mercy, the light of truth, the light of compassion, the light of love, the light of Jesus shines through still now. It always has, it always will. And I could tell you countless stories of God's light piercing the darkness that we've seen this past year. Couples on the brink of divorce that found hope and found healing and stuck it out and now they're not just sticking it out, they're thriving in their marriage. Families in financial disaster have found help and assistance and been able to get back on their feet and receive coaching and received help. Families who, parents who weren't even sure how they'd provide basic necessities for their kids, who, who weren't even sure they could provide food. We've seen thousands of people find hope and assistance through our food pantry this year at our church. People struggling with loss, have found the light of Jesus and connection with others, strength and community and healing 
to keep going and find that God isn't done with them. Addicts have found sobriety and freedom and forgiveness as God's light shines in. People contemplating divorce have found community and hope to keep carrying on. They found that they are loved and they have value and they matter. And on and on and on and on I could go. We'd be here all night if I kept sharing all the stories. God's light still shines through. It always has, it always does because that's who God is. He shines his light. So how does God respond to the darkness? He penetrates it. Christmas is God's response to the darkness. And not just way back then with a baby born in a manger, but still today, still for you, for all of us. Now, I know there might be some of you here tonight who you're really not that into church and you're maybe a little skeptical or cynical or just curious what to make about Jesus and his church and this Christianity thing. And, and we both know. I just want to admit, like sometimes those people who try to bring the light or they say they're in the light, sometimes their light doesn't really shine that bright. You wonder if they're even plugged into the source. Sometimes the light for those who claim to be in the light seems pretty dim at best, if not totally dark. And if that's been your experience with Christianity, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and other times those who, who bring the light are just, well, annoying, Right? Like, it's okay to admit that. Like, sometimes the light bringers can just be kind of annoying. It's kind of like when you drive around, you're looking at the Christmas lights, and sometimes you have the, the house that's got the warm lights, and it's kind of done up traditional, and it just looks beautiful and inviting. You know, you just kind of want to pull in the driveway and walk in. Like, you know they've got fresh-baked cookies coming out of the oven in some of those houses, right? And then there are the other homes that their lights are just fun. It's just fun. Like they've, they've got like fun Christmas lights there. And you're like, man, it'd be great to hang out there. I'm sure they're, they're probably inside playing a game. I just want to go in and, and hang out. And, you know, my wife actually tells me like, you can't just walk into a stranger's house. But I kind of feel like I want to sometimes, right? Like just, you know, it's just, it's got to be inviting. But then they're in the homes, right? Then they're in the homes where it's just a little much, right? There's so much motion and so much light and there's so much. And like some of the lights are just like it's blinding and some of them are like they're piercing, like they burn your retina when you look at it. It's kind of like Clark Griswold, right? Like that's impressive unless you're the neighbor, right? Right, if you're Todd Margo, it's like, man, that's just a little too much, a little over the top, a little too much in your face. And sometimes those of us tasked with bringing the light to kind of be that way, just a little too much, maybe a little too obnoxious and in your face. And if that's been your experience with Christianity, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, God didn't intend it that way. So let me caution you. Maybe you've seen it be too dark or maybe you've seen the light just shine a little too obnoxious. But let me caution you. Don't judge the light by an imperfect reflection. Don't make the mistake of judging the light giver by those who can imperfectly bring the light to others. See, for all of us, our humanness is gonna get in the way. Sometimes it's, it's just gonna mess it up. So don't judge the light by an imperfect reflection. Now, look to the light. And keep in mind, too, that sometimes the light seems intrusive, sometimes it seems 
too much. Sometimes it seems so bright. And it actually has nothing to do with the one who's bringing the light and everything to do with the fact that maybe you, maybe we have grown too accustomed to the dark. We all can. It's human nature. We resist the light. This is what John told us, one of Jesus' best friends. He said, God's light, that's Jesus. Jesus came into the world as light, but people loved the darkness more than the light. And why? Because their actions are evil. And see, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. We like to stay in the dark because it's easier. We hide. We sense there's something fun and joy. But those, those things that we like that we keep in the dark, we actually think that they're doing something good for us. But really, those are the things that are at best distracting us and more likely they're destroying us. We gotta bring those into the light. Friend, what darkness in your life needs brought into the light? Well, what in your life needs exposed to the light of Jesus? See, there's no darkness that's too dark for Jesus. He wants to shine his light on everything, every situation, every family issue, every job problem, every health struggle, every emotional issue you got, everything in your life that might be a little bit off. He wants to shine his light there. And so whether you're killing it in life or it's killing you, you need the light. But the good news is Jesus came to light up your life. So it's time to step out of the shadows and into the light. I mean, that's the Christmas story. After all, Christmas means that God is not against us. He's for us. And that's good news. That's the really good news of Christmas. See, the name Jesus means God saves. God came to rescue you, to save you. He's the only one who can, but he does. Jesus came to rescue, to save you. It's what he came to do for all of us. This very famous verse that we're all probably familiar with, John 3.16 and on into John 3.17, is actually a Christmas verse. This is Jesus saying this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Why? So that everyone, and that means everyone, that no one is excluded. Like, your life is not too dark. Your darkness isn't too dark for Jesus. But he came so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will live forever with him. You see, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He sent him to save us. I mean, that's a Christmas message right there, John three sixteen, that Jesus came to save us. And anyone who would believe in him. And see, to believe him means we have to receive him. Friend, of all the Christmas presents you could get this year at Christmas, there's nothing you can receive that will even hold a candle. Come close to the gift of Jesus' life in your life. So you gotta get into the light. And that means that sometimes those things that have kept you prisoner, that have kept you chained in the darkness, you gotta drag some of those things into the light with you. And that seems kind of scary because those things in the darkness are kind of the things we hold on to. That's stuff we kind of enjoy, we, we kind of lean into sometimes. But keep, keep note, Jesus said, says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. 
Friend, it's time to stop stumbling and fumbling through life in the dark. It's time to step into the light. It's time to let the light of Jesus shine in. So friend, will you receive Jesus as God's Christmas gift to you this year? There's no better gift you can receive but to let his light shine in your life. So what is God's response to the darkness? It's Christmas. It's God here with us as one of us to save us. What's his response to the dark? It's Easter. The resurrection power of Jesus, an empty grave so that our lives can be made full. What's his response to the dark? It's a promise of his return to take us home to be with him.